0: I guess uh, Merry Christmas again, Happy New Year, everyone have a good time yesterday, most of you, good, all right, I want to mention just a few things since we did not have an announcement video, um, we don't have any, it, it was quite the unique season here at the church, um, I was talking to um just a friend here at the church and they said it has been so busy here at the church and i said to myself uh, or i told the person i don't know what you're talking about because i feel like we can always do more and um, then after they said that i slowed down and i thought about everything that we've been doing since the fall we had um, the fall festival outreach event we have bible club. Every Friday, we had, um, let's see, the um, Christmas um, Jingle Jam. We had the outreach at Thanksgiving where we passed out all the food. We have Michelle Rupert who we've been helping. Uh, We have Jody Ray who we've been helping through some physical stuff. Uh, We were going to have a Christmas Eve service. what else did we do? We did the presents for the Village Apartments. Uh, we went to Noah's Ark with um, I think 35 students. So we had you know, a bunch of stuff that we've been into. Um, so it's been a unique season, unique busy season. So I say that to say I make an announcement out of having no announcements. And that's why we try to do videos right? So I don't make announcements out of announcements. But um, one thing I will mention is the elders each year around this time, we go over our um, end of year reports. And um, guess what? God was faithful again to Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship financially. Amen? So we want to thank you guys all for contributing. If you're new here, Uh, We rarely talk about giving. Um, Yeah, we rarely talk about it because we believe that it's between you and God, but we also believe that giving is a part of basic obedience and servitude to God. Just very basic. Um, Trust and give financially to Him. So I know you guys are zealous about that and excited about giving. So you're like, where do I give at this church? Well,. you can either give by Dave's head back here, next to that box, or Rob's head over here um, at that box. You can just put your uh, tithing in there. If you want it to be tracked going into 2020 for tax write-offs, then what you can do is put, um, put it in an envelope and put your name on it, and uh, we'll be able to track that as well. If you don't want to give cash or check, then you can give online, www.mcf-online.com. So, God has been so faithful to us, and um, here in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about just the idea of where we see God heading in 2022, and uh, how God has been faithful to us, and we believe that He'll be faithful to us again. Amen? Our church survived COVID financially and spiritually. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a lot of churches, um, a lot of churches that did not survive COVID. And that was definitely a part of the enemy's plan. But what's been really unique here is God has preserved us. God has been faithful to us. And uh, the lights are on in the building. The staff is, (coughs) excuse me, the staff is still loving one another and operating. And um, it's really good. So just, I'm truly thankful for everyone that comes here. Each week, um, I get up here, I laugh, and I say, this is going to sound bad. And people are like, well, you shouldn't say it. I just say, why are, people, why are people still coming to this church? Like, why do people come with me as the leader? And I laugh about it every week that people show up. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, um, truly, it's a humbling, um, humbling um, thing each week to think that people wanna hear me teach and me be a part of those things. But hopefully you don't see me, hopefully you see Christ and his word. And um, yeah, just truly thankful for this church and your dedication to God, his word, and um, community. Community is important. Scripture tells us to never forsake the fellowship. And um, it wasn't talking about the fellowship of mechanics, or Christian Fellowship, but the fellowship of brothers and sisters uniting together. And I think as we continually train the next generation Those are things that are important as well, is that we continually set the example of meeting together and doing community and life together. Amen? All right, I'm off my soapbox. Final announcement is we do have Christmas brunch today. So if you're new here, um, thanks for being here. We're gonna have a Christmas brunch after service just in the next room over. And uh, we'd love for you guys to stay. No money needed, no nothing, just fun. So, uh, who's all staying for that? Oh, every one of you. Awesome. (laughs) I can't see, the lights are so bright up here. (laughs) All right, well, let's pray, and we're going to get into the Word today. Father, may we cry no other name than Jesus today. I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Minds to comprehend, hearts with fertile soil, feet that want to run with obedience, Father. Um, I ask that you would just do a work in us. We need you to, you to do a work, not emotions, not craftiness, not cornering, not manipulation, not persuasiveness, Father. We need you. So we do a work in us today, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going through the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in it for several weeks. We have several more weeks to go. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5 through 7. And um, yeah, we're taking our way through it. And today we find ourselves in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. And what we're gonna talk about is loving our neighbor. Now, um, what was really fun is recently talking with a friend, and what they ended up bringing up is they said, you know, at work, there's some people who I like to work with, and there's other people who are not as easy to work with. Any of you guys can relate? Participating, raise your hand. Yeah. Now, all right, for those who are retired, you have some people in church that you like to talk to. (laughs) And then there's some other people that you run from. (laughs) It's like after church, I never get to talk to anyone and I don't know why. (laughs) Where's everyone at? So it's easy, it's easy to interact with those whom we like. It's easy to have fun and care for those who we like. But what about those who we don't like so much? What about those who are not as easy to get along with or those people who are really hard to get along with, who think differently than us, whose maybe political opinion is different than ours? Maybe they like Michigan, and they think differently than us politically. I mean, that, that's really tough, isn't it? Or maybe they're an Alabama fan. Roll Tide. Or maybe they're our neighbor next to our house, our physical neighbor, who's always causing problems with us. It's easy to love those who we like. But Jesus is gonna take it much further today. He's gonna say, not only love those who you like, but love and pray for your enemy. Those who persecute you. So verse 43, we're skipping a few um, scriptures. Verse 43. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So Jesus is addressing this crowd on the mountain, and he says, look, you heard, it, you heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, that's interesting to me because I've never heard hate your enemy in the scriptures. So what I want to make very clear for us today is this, is we essentially should trust nobody other than one, and the one is Jesus. Even the very words that are coming from my mouth today, you should not take for gospel. You need to take the words that I speak today, and you need to go back and study them in your scripture to make sure that I am not leading this church astray. Amen? But, We must find truth in the Bible and not trusting people's word. See, it's interesting to me because he says, you you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But where have you ever read in the Bible, hate your enemy? I don't see it. I haven't seen it. We haven't seen it because it's not there. This reminds me of many things that we live by today. That actually are not in the Bible. For starters, Eve ate an apple. A lot of people that you talk to say, well, Eve ate the apple. Okay, what we understand based upon Scripture is Eve ate a fruit. A whale swallowed Jonah. Scripture tells us that it was a big fish. Was it Was that big fish a whale? Probably. But Scripture tells us that it was a big fish. I think a whale is a big fish. Here's an interesting one. Uh, Money is the root of all evil. I hear that a lot. Anyone else ever heard that one? Money is the root of all evil? That's not what Scripture says. Here's what scripture says, the love, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. People like that one today. What about this one? How many of you guys have heard this one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. I'll tell you what, we went to um, oh, um, the mill and looked at the lights last night what's um Clifton Mill thank you um so we went to Clifton Mill last night I tell you what that's the kind of evangelism I should have been doing holding up my sign saying cleanliness is next to godliness because these people acted like they didn't have any showers for like three weeks they were stinking last night it's not in the Bible it's not there what about this one? God will not give you more than you can handle. Not in the Bible. See, a lot of people like to quote that when you're going through something tough and they say, hey, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Actually, what I end up seeing in scripture is the exact opposite God often puts us in positions that we can't handle it and that all we can do is just trust that He is faithful. And that he is good. You're like, but, but no, Joey, I know that there's a scripture that says it. No, there's not. Here's what scripture says. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. So does that say God's not going to allow things in your life that's not going to overwhelm you or frustrate you or bring you to your wit's end? No, what this is telling you is, is when you're tempted, he's providing you a way out. So when you face him one day, you can't say, well, God, I... I gossiped about this person because there was no other way out. No, God always provides a way out. Amen? So when you're tempted today, God's going to provide you that way out. What about this one? God helps those who help themselves. We like that one too, don't we? Because we want to be able to write off people. We want to be able to just tell You know what, I don't need to worry about them anymore because God helps those who help themselves. Anyone ever heard, not heard that in scripture, but heard that one? All right, any of you guys ever used that one? (laughs) Not in scripture. (laughs) Now look, you wanna know how I came up with this list? Because I've used most of these in the past. I remember several years ago quoting, (laughs) well, cleanliness is next to godliness, and someone's like, that's not in scripture. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean it's not in scripture? It's not in scripture. So with humility, um, I present these today. But God helps those who help themselves, not in scripture, not in the Bible. It's actually the exact opposite. We are all sinners, and we are all helpless in salvation. It's only by Jesus' blood. Amen? That's it. So again, here today, Jesus was addressing the Mishnah. So when he says, you have heard it said, the Mishnah was man-made rules in the Bible, where they said that it was okay to love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. That, that's the man-made rule that Jesus is addressing today. Love your neighbor. It's okay to hate your enemy. But through our simple observation, we're going to see that Jesus makes it clear to them. See, Jesus is going to up the ante to them. It's not about just loving your neighbor. It's about loving your enemy as well. Here in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us we are not only to love our enemy um, as we love ourselves. You see how they didn't put that in there as well? See, Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. But he didn't say love your na-. He didn't say you've heard it said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because many of us in this room, or most of us in this room, love ourselves more than we love other people, right? He so, said, no, I'm a humble person. No, you're going to give, you're going to buy yourself the $30 pizza and you're going to buy someone else a $5 pizza, right? Love others the way that you love yourself. But they, t- they took that out. But he he ups the ante and he says, we must also love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. See, the spirit of the law was not to love those who are easy to love. Why? Because anyone can do that. It's easy to love those who love you. The spirit of the law was to show love to all of humanity. Everyone. God bless you. Jesus wants us to love Wants us to love and pray for our enemies. That's what he wants. How many of you guys feel like you have an enemy today? There's just someone that's really frustrating you. I think I have a couple enemies. So let's continue on. Verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. There is this idea that we are called to love people periodically. You know, you run into a person at Kroger and you love them, and then you back away. Or you see a friend, you love them, and then you get to live your life the rest of the week. But we are actually called to love people constantly and consistently, even our enemies. What we have going on here is this, is love is a verb, an action word, right? But it's also a present imperative, so it's a current command. This means that Jesus is, sorry, this means that when Jesus is talking about love here, He's commanding us to act now and into the future. So when he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that means to love your enemies right now and into the future. See, the command is to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That's what he wants. That's hard. Because what I want to do is I want to say, okay, God, um, I'm done with this person, I wanna write this person off, I don't care about this person, be done with it. And then I wanna go love on my family, I wanna go love on my MCF church because they're really easy to love. Um, and that's where I wanna spend my time. But what about the neighbor that just is really annoying to you, and tells you how to do things, has opinions about you, Jesus' command here is to love our enemies and pray for those people who persecute us. So the nature of this love and the nature of our neighbor is actually found in Luke 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I do remember what Mark um, talked about last week where the flipping of the pages. You just don't hear that much anymore. Here are a few in here, but Luke 10 Verses 25 through 37. All right, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your strength and with, um, all your, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly," Jesus replied. "Do this, and you will live." But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, "Well, then who is my neighbor?" In reply, Jesus said. A man was going down from Jerus- Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. A priest, a religious man, a teacher. Right? A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on um, the other side. So too, when he came to the place, he saw him and sorry, so too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So you say, well, this parable is about our neighbor, who was our neighbor. What Jesus is doing here on the Sermon on the Mount is turning our enemy into our neighbor. What Jesus is saying, if our enemy has needs, go meet them. Don't pass them by. Pray for them. Love them. We are to love them and be gracious to them just as Christ is gracious to us. Now, what I want you to do is imagine spending the next three hours on your knees praying for a person that you are deeply offended by, hurt by, or frustrated with and praying God's favor and blessing on them. It's really unique, isn't it? Or maybe, (laughs) excuse me, Or maybe you don't have this deep, deep offense with someone. Well, you can be praying for a neighbor, right? Someone who needs Christ. See, it is simple. We are willing to pray for those whom we love, but will we pray for those who so greatly attack us? Will we pray for those who dislike us? Well, we pray for those who think differently than us. And what I've recognized during this season of our life is there really seems to be two sides, two sides of life, Um, easy to pick on. There's those who are vaccinated who want us, um, who want people to get vaccinated. And there's people who are unvaccinated who think that the vaccine is crazy. Are both sides willing to pray for one another? Just because someone thinks differently than you, just because you think that they're their enemy, or yeah, that that person is your enemy, will you pray for them? Some people voted for left, some people voted for right. Are you willing to pray for both sides? It's not just about praying and having this holy community with, pe- with people who think exactly the same way as you. What Jesus is saying is, pray for those who persecute you. And I see persecution on both sides. It's all about Jesus, not our opinion, amen? Jesus doesn't want us to have love that discriminates. We are to love our enemies on the same level of importance as our loved ones. Loving our enemy doesn't make us a child of God, by the way. But loving our enemy reveals that we care about God. Just because you love your enemy doesn't mean that, um, yeah, it doesn't make you. Just going through the actions of loving our enemy, you can't fake love, doesn't earn your way to heaven. One author says it this way, when we love our enemies, we reflect God. As his image bearers, we show what he is like when we put his character on display. We show that we are his children. We can see a daily example of God's love for his enemies when we realize that God does not send instant judgment on evil. He sends his blessing. We can see a daily example of God's love for his enemies when we realize that God does not send an instant judgment on the evil. Why is it that we fall short and we sin and then we know and understand that Jesus will forgive us and we try to accept that forgiveness, right? But yet when someone else wrongs us, we want them to pay. Anyone else ever done that other than me? Anyone else ever wanted justice that um, probably was unjust for us to want? But what what we're about to see is Christ flip that and encourage us a little bit differently. Verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, So Jesus asks this rhetorical question, what reward will you have if you just love those who are easy to love? The answer is none. You'll have no reward. Because showing love to those who love you first is not worthy of reward. Because that's how um, evil people think. You're not the only one who thinks that way. There's nothing Christian about loving people who love you. That's easy. Even the worst of Jewish society, a tax collector, will love his own kind, right? Tax collectors were despised because they were considered traitors. Romans used local subjects to collect taxes in the provinces, so in Judea, Romans hired Jews to collect taxes from fellow Jews, right? So naturally, any Jew who was cooperative with the Romans was considered a traitor. Even worse, the Romans assigned each tax collector a quota to collect or suffer severe consequences. So the tax collectors were essentially extortionists, using ruthless methods to force fellow Jews to pay furthermore, a tax collector wasn't paid by Rome. So the collector made its own income by collecting above and beyond the quota set by Rome. It's pretty ruthless, isn't it? The way that you're going to get your money is to be a traitor against your people, and then you're going to get my money, but if you want paid, you're going to get more money. It's like, What do you mean, like, aren't we all people at Mechanics for Christian Fellowship? Don't we love each other? Aren't we all on the same team here? No, give me that money. Which, this is why Jesus says even tax collectors are willing to show love to those who love them first. But this is hardly a standard of conduct worthy of reward, right? It's entirely self-serving and does nothing to glorify the Father. Yet that's exactly the standard the Mishnah promoted. Love your neighbor, so love those who are kind to you first, right? That's what it was telling you. Those are the people you're called to love. And then it said, hate your enemies, so show no love to those who refuse to love you. That's simple. What kind of sanctification comes about our life when we get to love people who love us and not love people who don't love us. It's simple. There's no sanctification that comes from that. There is no eternal reward for acting that way. If you only show regard for your brothers, you're going to simply, um, you're you're doing simply what everyone else is doing naturally. Or as Jesus put it, what even the Gentiles do. No, if you want to pass the test of righteousness and gain a reward in heaven, you must do it better. You must do as the Father in heaven has done for you first. You must show love to those who do not deserve it. You must show uh, love to those who deserve it the least. As do so before... um, you give your regard. Be generous, be kind, be considerate, and even pray for them. And when you enter into the kingdom, you will see your reward. Now notice this, that Jesus began the sermon by defining the character qualities of the kingdom-bound individual. So for the people who are going to go to heaven, he describes it. Those qualities are made possible by being what? Born again. That is, we become children of God, citizens of heaven, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and are born again. And as we come to faith in Jesus, God gives us a new spirit in the likeness of Christ so that we may think and act like Christ. Right? But it's by the new spirit that we may begin to demonstrate the kingdom qualities Jesus outlines for us in the Beatitudes. Remember, the Beatitudes were not something that we were to strive to do. The Beatitudes are actually something that inherently happens within us because we're born-again beings. So we're not supposed to... uh, Yeah, so we do not obtain the kingdom by mirroring these behaviors, what we do is um, we obtain the kingdom by being born again. Nor do we receive the kingdom itself as a reward for good behavior. The kingdom is not a reward that we earn. It's a free gift. Amen? We obtain our citizenship in the kingdom of God by faith alone. That's it. So the thing that we often don't talk about in church is there are rewards in heaven. Now we don't do life here on earth for the rewards in heaven, but we have to recognize that there are rewards in heaven. There will be different, um, maybe there will be a street sweeper, and maybe there's gonna be people who um, oversee many cities, but there are rewards. And Jesus says, now that we um, do have the opportunity for eternal, sorry, but Jesus says, now that we do have the opportunity for eternal reward in the kingdom, then there's something that we must consider. And that reward is based in part on whether we show love to our neighbor, to those God places in our path, whether friend or enemy part of our reward is going to be based upon how we love our friends and our enemies. And in those moments when you don't want to do that, ask yourself, what are you sacrificing as your reward in heaven? Let that be an encouragement to us to serve God. In those moments, there's a reward there to love our enemies. And let's be honest, it can be difficult to show love to someone who hates us or mistreats us. That person at work that always seems to pick on us. The person up the street who always shoves their political opinion down our throat. The people online who are just nuts on Facebook. I never post anything like that on Facebook, but you better believe I read them. I'm caught up on all the political drama on Facebook, local and national. <clears throat> and those people who oppose your thoughts, you get frustrated with them. You might even start sweating and getting mad because you're like, you crazy person. How can you think this way? And then you see him at Walmart and you're like, I don't want to talk to you. What Jesus is saying is no, like, number one, he told us several weeks ago in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine so that others may see it. You are the light unto the world. So we need to be around people who oppose us. We need to be around people who don't believe in Jesus. But now we say, and even those people who are in darkness, I need you to love those people as well. I think of those who... um, work in prisons and as cops. And they deal with criminals all the time. God is calling us to love those people. Amen? So God's intention, yeah. So essentially what happens is um, because those people are difficult to love, um, to show love to, We, uh, those people who mistreat us, they're really difficult to uh, care for, right? We want payback. Or we feel like a hypocrite when we do nice things for someone who we secretly hate. Or remember the spirit of God's law. He didn't say, act like you love your neighbor. He said to love your neighbor. So God's intention is that we find our love in our heart for them that we find love in our heart for them. And the best way to do this is to remember how Christ first showed love to you and I. Nothing should soften our heart towards someone else faster than remembering what Jesus has forgiven you of. How many of you guys are forgiven this morning? We're all forgiven. And some people say, well, I wish I could forget my sin. Well, the fact of the matter is, is if we forgot our sin, then we'd forget what Jesus has forgiven us of. So I can still think in my life where there's sins that just frustrate me that I would ever go there. And then it reminds me of Jesus' faithfulness of how much he's forgiven me. And if Jesus has forgiven me of those sins, guess what he asks me to do for others? Forgive their sins. To pray for them. To want the best for them. So nothing softens our heart towards someone else faster than remembering what we've been forgiven of ourselves. We should remember Jesus' words in Luke seven forty-seven. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. The more we have been forgiven, the more we're able to love. And what it comes down to is it's not that um, some of us have been forgiven more or less, I think what it comes down to is many of us have recognized how much God has forgiven us. So the more that we recognize our need for a savior, the more that we recognize that Jesus has forgiven us, the more that we're able to be gracious in other people's lives, amen? the less that we recognize that we've been forgiven, the less that we walk in that forgiveness, the higher standard we're gonna hold other people to. See, um, remembering how much Jesus has forgiven you in your life and how many offenses he's forgiven and how many unkind actions and thoughts he has forgiven will help that. See, that will instill in our heart a desire to show love to others. So that moment when you begin to feel hesitation to show love to another, just remember how much you owe Jesus, right? You cannot judge another without putting yourself in the place of superiority. So allow yourself to be brought down to their level. Now, if that still doesn't seem possible, and you're still struggling to love your neighbor at times, then consider this. If you can't find it in your heart to show love to your neighbor for their sake, then do it for your own sake. What? Here's what I'm saying. Um, There's a reward on the line in heaven. Jesus summarizes this entire chapter with this final verse. Our goal in life should be to be perfect as our Father is perfect. First, because that is the standard for entrance into heaven, into the kingdom. Perfection is the standard. And the only way to meet that standard is through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way you're making it into heaven is to be perfect. None of us are perfect. Only by the blood of Jesus. So when he sees us, when we meet him face to face, it's not going to be Joey, it's not going to be Mark Miller that earns herself. it's not going to be Stu, it's not going to be Aaron, it's not going to be Rob, it's not going to be thick. What it's going to be is the blood of Jesus that gets us into heaven. Amen? That's it. So, entrance into the kingdom is by obtaining Christ's perfection through faith in him alone. So, Secondly, we are called to live in righteousness by striving to equal the Father's standard, which is why it's so important to understand the spirit of God's word. Obviously, we don't live in a Jewish, um, Pharisaic culture, right? So we're not in danger of following the Mishnah rather than sticking to scripture. You and I get to stick to scripture today. And sometimes, um, yeah, we live outside of that, but we're called to live by Scripture. But that doesn't mean that we are susceptible to missing the spirit of God's commandment in the Scripture. We may know that we obtain heaven by faith alone, by the blood of Jesus alone. So we're already resting on Christ's righteousness and not our own. But what about our walk of sanctification? And this is where I feel like the church, the big kingdom church, takes advantage of the blood of Jesus. What we say is, well, because it's by the blood of Jesus alone, then I can live however I want. And because I can live however I want, because of the blood of Jesus, I'll just do what I want, and then one day I'll make it to heaven. No, there's this process of sanctification, of purification, that God wants to bring to all of our lives. See, he wants us to develop into purer beings, people who hate sin, who desire everyone to go to heaven. That's what he wants from us, but um, yeah, Where's your walk of sanctification today? How are you attempting to live out righteousness? Are you doing it in according to the spirit of God's word, or are you merely doing it according to the letter of God's words? Which essentially means that you and I are following our own Mishnah. See, are we the people who are living by God's words, or are we people that are saying... Um, Godliness is next to cleanliness. Or cleanliness is next to godliness. Are we living by these ideas of God in our mind, or are we living by His Word? And what His Word is telling us today, that we need to love God, and we also need to love our enemies. For example, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, are you loving everyone or only the ones that like you? Or when Jesus says, turn the cheek, do you forgive those who harm you? Or when he says, do not commit adultery, do you actively fight the urge to indulge your lustful thoughts? What are we doing? See, see, that's the sanctification process. God wants us to turn our cheek, right? God wants us to fight the urge of lusts. God wants us to be honest people. You see, the issue of being perfect is twofold. And as Christians, we typically only think of one side of the coin. We rest in Christ's righteousness to enter heaven, but we forget about that we have work to do in the meantime. And that work is our sanctification. By our faith, we are made perfect before God. And our spirit Um, and our, sorry, by our faith we are made perfect before God in our spirit, right? So our spirit, when we die, then gets to go join with Jesus. So that's done by faith. And by our willingness to obey God's word, we can become more like God in our behavior. But only if we pay attention to the true intent of God's word. Don't be like a Pharisee. Don't seek to do the minimum. That's what we've seen all throughout the um, Sermon on the Mount, is the Pharisees were seeking to do the minimum. Don't try to find excuses or exemptions or loopholes. I remember having many conversations with, even to this day, young people. What's the line that's too far of physical love with my opposite sex? What's too far? Or what about this? Conversations I have with people about their taxes. Well, I found a loophole in my taxes. It's not 100% truthful, but what do you think? Are we people who are looking for loopholes in this life? What about our Bible reading plan? Are we reading our Bible reading plan to slow down and connect with Jesus? Or are we reading our Bible reading plan to get a check mark? Where is our heart? So we can't be like the Pharisees. We can't make our own rules for when God's rules apply to us. We can't make up our own ones. And here's what Jesus says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That's his standard. And as you do this, you please Christ as we walk out sanctification, as, as, as we resist lust, as we resist lying, as we resist looking for loopholes, as we resist looking for exemptions, that pleases God. And as you do this, you please Christ. And as you please Christ, there's an opportunity to gain rewards in heaven. This is the walk we are called to live out. And this walk of sanctification is the single most important challenge, the single most um, duty of Christ, of the Christian life. Nothing else comes close. You can summarize what we're learning in this chapter this way. We have to know Christ to enter the kingdom. That's it. We have to know Christ to enter the kingdom. We have to know Christ's word to represent his kingdom. And we must obey Christ's word to obtain the kingdom. And what I mean by obtain the kingdom is to have rewards in heaven. And all of these areas are areas that the Pharisees corrupted. So today, when Christ says, Love your enemy, what he's saying is um, just not people who you like, just not people who you care about. And there's a scripture, I'm um, sorry, I don't have the reference right now, but essentially, um, Jesus is saying, Hey, look, when you have a party, when you have a ball, when you have a gathering, don't invite over your friends. Invite over the least of these, right? Now, why do you invite over the least of these? Because your friends can repay you. Your friends will repay you. Your friends have already repaid you. It's easy to be like, hey, Stu, I'm going to buy your coffee today. Because I already know that Stu's bought me 50 before, and he's going to buy me 50 again. It's a simple investment, right? Right? It just really is. Any of you guys who know Stu understand that. There, there's nothing in that. But what Jesus is saying is, don't just buy Stew's coffee. Love people who can't love you back. Love your enemy. So when he's talking about this banquet and inviting people over, he says, love the least of these, the people who can't repay you. And I've shared this story with you guys before, but Macy and I, when she was working in Dayton... Um, I said, Macy, I'm not going to go pick up this random homeless guy and bring him over to our house for Thanksgiving. I'm not going to pick up this random homeless guy and bring him over for Christmas. And I know that Jesus is telling us here in this scripture that at this banquet, we're not supposed to just invite over our loved ones. We're supposed to invite over the least of these and those who can't repay us and those who oppose us. I understand that, but I'm not going to do it because I don't know how safe having this homeless person over is. Right? Right? In this culture, it might not be a wise thing to just go pick up a random person on the side of the road. I heard a comedian say it used to be hitchhikers were people that needed rides. Now they said hitchhikers are murderers. (laughs) So now they're like, if you want to get murdered, stick up your thumb. Or if you want to do some murdering, stick up your thumb. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. You can't trust people nowadays. And that's where God convicted me in that scripture. See, the scripture Um, In the scripture what convicted me was this idea of I don't know enough homeless people well enough to invite them into my home So what I was convicted of is I love people who are too much like me Who are easy to love rather than finding people who are hard to love? Amen So what we have to do today is at work in your communities find people who are your enemies, and pray for them, and seek to create relationship with them. Let's pray. Father, um, I ask today that you would help us um, love those um, who persecute us, love those who are out to get us, love those who are our enemies at school, at work, in the community, even sometimes within the church, Father. I ask that we would be committed to the sanctification process. Father, that um, as we've learned throughout the Sermon on the Mount, about lust and lying and promises and turning our cheeks. That we would take those things seriously once again. Father, I pray that you would bless the food to our bodies today. That you would protect people from sickness. And that your word would bring transformation to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well you guys are all dismissed to the Um, I guess youth room area, we would love to uh, have you all stay.